Welcome to Fearless the Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode one. One? We have taken a time machine and traveled back <laughs> over a hundred episodes. We are on episode 239. Yeah. And this is a theme episode. Now, hopefully we get our numbers better than the episode numbers that we just, that I just fumbled. I haven't fumbled in a long time, by the way. Yeah, you just, you know, this is, that's how we know we were traveling back in time. Not only did we go back a hundred episodes, but we went back to when every single episode you had something funny to say for the numbers or, well, funny, subjective, I guess. Oh, my. but you had something for every episode and, uh, and you still messed that, them that's up. That's like, the, that's the real one. That That's people that were listening from like episode one from the beginning. Now, I know we have a lot of new listeners that have gone through and you, you know what we're talking about. So appreciate all you guys that bear through episodes one, two, maybe even three and four. But hey, hopefully we've gotten better since then. Hopefully. Yeah, always hey, getting better. And part of that hope is that if you have not subscribed yet to our YouTube channel, make sure to hit subscribe and hit that bell notification. So you know whenever we drop new YouTube videos, we're trying to drop three a week. Me, we may go to four. We've we talked about it, but don't know about that. Uh, it all depends on how fast we're going. But you know, I, I appreciate the speed. I appreciate all of you that tune in and watch our episodes and give us a, that thumbs up and also comment. So for this episode, we're talking about reselling money. Money myths, because yeah. I think there's a lot out there. So, before we get started, I'm interested. What are some of the reselling money myths that you hear? Like you, you started reselling, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, this is the way it is." And then after a while, you're like, "Wait a second, that's not how reselling goes." Yeah. What are What are some of the things that you've recognized, or or the ones that maybe you already knew, but you hear other people espousing, and you're like, "No, stop. Just stop with that. That's wrong." Let us know what your pet peeve money myths are down below or the things maybe you believed when you started. And uh, we'd love to chat about that. And again, thank you for those of you who are commenting. Uh, And also, since we're talking about potentially adding more YouTube videos, um, if you have suggestions of types of YouTube videos you'd like to see, content, ideas, let us know. uh, Because, you know, this isn't our show. This is our show, right? This is all of us. We're a community here and we want to to be... Uh, providing the content that you guys want and uh, can enjoy and benefit from. So, all right, let's get right into these. All right, so this is the one that gets kind of controversial. And I'm not trying to be controversial, but a lot of new sellers, I feel like they see these posts on social media, whether it be Instagram or on TikTok or, or Facebook, even if you're on Facebook, wherever you see it and you look at this and you're like, wow, like that person is killing it. Right. And so we all know what it is. Now, there's two of them. There's two sales charts. We'll talk about the second one in a little bit. But there's that 90 day eBay total. And I see it now. No shade at anybody. I mean, some of the people that we think are some of the best resellers throw their numbers up there every once in a while, too. And I'm not I'm not, you know, singling out anyone. I'm just I I wanted to throw this out there because I want you to understand a huge 90 day total doesn't necessarily mean success. Do you get what I'm talking about here? Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's a lot of factors that play into that. One of the things that I think the 90 day total is a great metric, but it's an individualized metric because you don't know what else is going on behind the scene. My wife and I talk all the time as we see our 90 day total increase or decrease, and we can kind of track the seasons, what's going on, what things are selling when we're doing well. And the 90 day total is a good number for us. Like we can look at it and say, hey, our 90 day total is going up over either one you know, the last 90 day total that we've had, you know, last month or this time last year. And so we have these numbers that we can look at and we can gauge. So it is a great metric to use. And there's nothing wrong with saying like, Hey, my store, like I've had a 30% increase this year and here's my 90 day total. So it's a great number. But one of the things is everybody's 
their their profit margins are different, their cost of goods are different. Um, so you can have a huge 90 day total, uh, but if you know 40% of that is going to cost of goods and shipping, then it, you might actually have a smaller net profit than somebody who has a smaller 90 day total with cheaper cost of goods and cheaper shipping, maybe easier amount of time for listing. Like there's a lot of factors that go in. So I would say one of the best pieces of advice I ever heard was don't compare yourself to other people, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, mm. right? Like that's the best way of looking at it. Is that and, Warren Buffett? Um, I don't know. I, I've heard a lot of people say similar things, but you know, you're your own competition. Uh, don't get in, don't feel like you have to compete with all the Instagram people posting their stuff because again, you don't know their, their story. You don't know what's going on. You can only look at what you're doing. So the 90 day total is a great metric. And it, it's hard for me to believe that there's people with multi-million dollar 90 day totals or six figure 90 day totals who aren't doing really, really well, no matter what their cost of goods are. But don't look at that and say, like, that's the only measurement of success. There might be somebody who's got a $3,000 90-day total, and they're crushing it, and they're meeting their own goals, and it's covering the bills, the things they want to do. So um, don't don't be disheartened by that, and don't look at a big flex, because might actually you might be making more than that person is net once all is said and done. Yeah, so let me throw out some examples, some personal examples, some, some things I've observed. So two years ago, I'll never forget this, I was... I was hanging out with uh, Sell Quick Ship Quick in LA and I was looking at my 90 day total and I'm like, I'm doing really well. But then it was kind of strange because I was paying my bills, but usually I always have excess money. Like I throw into, well, at that time I wasn't doing crypto or whatever, but you know, I, I throw it into other projects I'm working on and I had, I didn't have much. And I was like, what is going on? Like my 90 day total is one of the highest totals I've had in a long time. And what I found out was that my promoted listings were, I think I had everything a percentage above the trending rate, which can be obnoxious, like in some categories on eBay. So what you can do, those of you that are new on eBay, you can pay for promoted listing. That means that when you pay a certain percentage, it'll up your item in the search and it'll say promoted or it'll it'll also show it like on other web pages. And the trending rate is what most people are paying for it. And so if it's at a 6%, that means I was paying a 7% uh, fee. So when my item sold, I would have to pay that 7% fee for the extra promotion. And that can be costly. And so I had a great 90-day total, and I could have flexed it, and I could have shown it, but I wasn't making any more money than I was six months before when I didn't go all in. A couple other things to think about. I think of some resellers that go to the bins. So they may, you, for example, they may go to the bins and spend maybe each month. I don't know. Let's just throw it out there. Let's say they spend $2,000, right? And their 90 day total, right, is 30,000, right? If you do the math, that's a pretty small percentage. I should have chosen numbers that I could just do in my head. But if you do that, right, 2,000 out of the, out of the 30,000, Right, their their cost of goods isn't that bad, and we're just talking about cost of goods, right? That's that's super low, right? But then let's say you know somebody else has a thirty thousand dollar ninety day total, but they're buying their stuff in bulk and wholesale, right? And it's costing them forty percent, right? That's gonna be let's say it's fifty percent. That means fifteen thousand dollars is going to the cost of goods, and they're making thirty thousand over the ninety days. Where there's somebody going to the bin spending two thousand dollars, and they're making thirty thousand dollars. Now, that's an extreme, right? But that shows you the potential for net profit. And actually, I was looking at my own numbers today uh, while prepping for this. And you know, you know me. I've always talked about I, I, I won't share my ninety day totals. I don't do the Amazon thing just because I don't. And number one, I think it's I, I just I personally 
it, this is the first time and people call me out all the time where like, you know, when you work a regular job, no one goes, hey, how much did you make this year or how much are you going to make next year? Unless you're like really close friends, like like Mike doesn't even know. So but and when you get in the reselling world, I guess it's part of like, hey, if you want to sell a course, if you want to you know, show your cloud, if you want to show that, hey, you actually know what you're doing, people show their numbers. But I was looking at I was looking at my numbers and I was like, OK, I only spend 15 percent of my 90 day total on cost of goods and another, you know, five to 10 percent goes into shipping and goes into promoted listings and goes into the fee. So 25 percent I'm happy with. Right. Because I don't need a huge 30 day total. Now, you got to be aware of that. Here's another example. If you sell hard goods, your 90 day total may be higher than somebody who does uh, free shipping for clothing, right? Cause if you do free shipping for clothing, right? You're not getting that shipping money into that 90 day total on top of that. You're not paying that much for shipping. So somebody could have, let's say a $50,000 90 day total for hard goods. And somebody else could have a $30,000 90 day total, uh, for clothing. And they may be making the same amount of money. Yep. Right. So just, so just be aware. I mean, the myth is, you know, you look at that and you're like, wow, now that doesn't mean that people aren't doing well, but it also doesn't mean that they are doing that well. Right. Like Mike said, I, I actually, this was a shock to me. My first year recently, I started recognizing that I was actually doing better than I thought. Uh, Cause my 90 total is never what I was seeing on Instagram. But then I was like, wait a second, like I'm paying all my bills. I'm able to travel. Okay. I'm not, I'm not doing so bad, you know? All right. Good. Let's go to the next one. Selling on platforms is too expensive. Yeah, and I think we talk about this one a lot in, in our episodes, but the hard part is it's easy for us and I think it's very valid for us to look at the costs on certain platforms and say, I think that this platform can, can make improvements. They may be overcharging in certain areas. Maybe they need to adjust this. This is unbalanced in, in this category. However, when you're making the comparison with a brick and mortar store or anything else where you're having to deal with, um, one, your own marketing. Right. Where you're trying to. So if you've got an Etsy store, I mean, Etsy might not be a great example because it's doing a lot of the marketing for you. But if you've, got, if you've got your own website where you're selling something you're making or something that you're buying, you've got to drive the traffic there. You've got to pay for the advertisement. You've got to find a way to get customers. And depending on the items, that might be fine. But the nice thing with eBay is it's already reaching lots of people. Same thing with Amazon. Amazon charges crazy fees for certain items and storage and all that. But it's reaching those people and it's got the name behind it. It's got the trust. People know if I buy something, I, I typically am going to buy from Amazon or eBay before I'm going to buy from a third party website, unless I really trust the company. Cause I don't know this company. How long is it going to take for shipping? Do they have good customer service? Whereas I know if I buy something on <clears throat> Amazon or eBay and there's something wrong with it, I can send it back and get my money back. So having that customer um, base already there, having customers that have trust, uh, it's worth it. Plus the fact that, yeah, I mean, the store having to pay for a store fee and insertion fees and final value fees. It's like, how many times are you going to tax me here? <laughs> but if you look at it, well, I'm also not having to pay rent for a building and I'm not having to pay the electricity and I'm not having to pay for the the water and all of these things. If I had a brick and mortar store. All right. The, the fee isn't so bad. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And again, just think about on eBay or on Amazon too, you're able to sell globally, right? Even eBay's global global shipping program, they're able to have a far reach to other parts of the world where if you had a website, again, Facebook ads cost a lot of money, 
right? Uh, Shopify sounds nice, right? You set up your Shopify, you get it going. But even even there's people that are, listen to our podcast that used to be former dropshippers. They would tell you that the most of the money that they made went to ads to drive traffic to their site. So you got to be careful about that because a lot of people, I mean, you can go down. We've talked about this a lot. You're right. You can go down the rabbit hole of eBay and Amazon is, is too much money and I'm losing here. But here's the deal. You could try to sell that on your own, but you're, it's just not going to be that successful. Now, if you have a huge, let's say, social media following, then maybe you could have your online story and can drive people to your product, but that takes time, right? eBay, Amazon, all these websites eliminate, all these platforms eliminate the need to worry about all that. Yeah, which is why like a company like Bubble Boy, which um, we love to partner with, we have a link with, um, they sell on Amazon, right? Which is wise of them to do. Uh, but they also, you can buy directly from their website. And if you buy from their website, they're able to give you better, like they give you a website coupon. So you're able to get the item for a little bit cheaper than you can get it on Amazon. So they recognize they need to be on Amazon. They need to, they need to get that customer base. But once people begin to trust a, a company or a brand, it's worth it for them to build up their own website to deal with all the inventory and all of that. Um, but if you're just starting out or you're a garage sale type store like we are, trying to do your own website and drive people there is going to be really hard. So we would say a company like Bubble Boy, again, the link is is in our description. We definitely recommend using Bubble Boy. Their, their products is great for bubble wrap. They get it to you really fast, two days. Buy from their website, use our link. Um, so this is content and advertising at yeah, the same but time. But it's true though. Right now. But like, I mean, if I, so if I were to start a business, I've got two options, right? Like I can, I can get my item, whatever, if I have a certain item that I'm trying to sell, I can try and get it into Walmart and Target or Amazon and eBay. And then I've got shelf space where it can be seen or I could start my own store. Right. And both of those things are valid things, but depending on what you're trying to sell and how you're trying to do it. And one is going to be much harder. So are you paying more fees? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you're also paying way less of other types of overhead. So um, cost benefit analysis, I think you got to realize if it really wasn't worth it, nobody would be selling on eBay. Mm-hmm. And eBay recognizes that. And that's kind of how capitalism works. If, if eBay pushes their fees too much and it keeps getting to the point where it's like, you know what? It's actually not worth it for me to sell because there's no more profit in it for me. I'd be better off just going to swap meets and selling at a booth. Well, I think that's why eBay now, like they up their limits. Right. Yeah. right for listings. Like I haven't paid crazy amounts for listing in about a month yeah. because they upped it to 10,000. Right. Which is was great for me. So. And so we're going to find that happy medium. And, and the reality is market price. It, it might stink that you have to pay it, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, w- we all still make profit. So if somebody else can can make a living selling on eBay despite the the fees, so can you. All right. So I know Mike it talked about the, the link and the overlay. Again, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. It's one of our great sponsors. We buy their, their stuff all the time. They have bubble wrap in all kinds of sizes. They also have Instapack, which is an amazing tool to be able to ship that fragile, those fragile items. And due to the location of their warehouses throughout the country, you can get your stuff in one day or two days. And they even have local pickups. So if you haven't checked them out yet, uh, go to the link below, AmericanBubbleBoy.com and order some bubble wrap from them. Uh, they'll get to know that we sent them there. We sent them there. We sent you there. And then they can send you the bu- amazing bubble wrap. Yeah, it's like a circle of life. <laughs> there you go. It's a beautiful so, thing. AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Uh, seriously, incredible company. Great customer service. We personally, I personally have talked to the owner on the phone. I have his number on my phone. A text if I need anything. 
legit company. So check them out, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. All right. Next, the higher the average. No, actually, let, let's do this one. eBay solds means it will sell for that price again. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, this one is tough because it goes in both directions, right? Sometimes you th- see things that sell and you're like, this only sells for $20 because I see one sold two months ago for $20. So that's what I can get for it. Or you can say this sold one time for $500. That's what I can get for it. And so you have both extremes. Sometimes people are selling them for not enough money. You can actually list high. We do that all the time where we see that, you know what, based off of what I have, maybe the condition, the pictures, or there's just not enough inventory. um, I can actually list this higher than what they've sold for recently. So you can actually end up making more than what you think is possible based off of the, the, the previous solds. But the inverse is true also. Sometimes you see an outrageous price for one going for something really, really high. And who knows, maybe it was a special time when there just was none available. Someone was willing to pay however much for the PlayStation 5 or whatever it is, you know, and it's significantly more. And then once they're in stock, that price drops. So if you're holding on, if there's people still trying to sell Nintendo Switches for seven, $800, you know, they're probably struggling right now just because it has sold for that in the yeah. past. So it goes both directions. Sometimes you want it to sell really, really high because you've seen it sell that way in the past or it sells, you've seen it sell low, so you don't mark it up at what it deserves. You have to kind of figure out what the market actually is. And so looking at previous solds is a great indicator. It's a tool, but using something like Terapeak and other marketing uh, tools that you can use will actually help you find a better version of what is the market value of this item today. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I made a whole video about this at 90 Day Comps Are Not Enough. If you want to check it out on our YouTube channel. But I also wanted to share, like when I when I first started recently, I made this mistake all the time. Like I would find something, I would search it on my phone and it would have one comp of it and it would it sold for a lot of money. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this is I'm going to buy this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to list it. It's going to sell for that amount. And then it would just sit there and it would sit there. And maybe it's still in my store today, (laughs) you know, because I did pick up a lot of items like that. So it's important to see sell through rate if possible. Right. If you're able to see that, hey, there's more sold than listed. That's a that's a pretty good understanding that, okay, it's going to sell. And whatever price point it sold for more that's what you're going to be able to get, right? Because you may have some outliers, like something will sell for 40, 60, 40, 50, 60, and then one sells for 100. And you're like, oh, I'm going to list it for that 100 because it sold for that 100 at one time. That may have been the right buyer at the right time. It may have, may have been the only time that that item was listed and all the others were sold. It could have been somebody internationally and that was the only listing they're able to see. It could have been the only sponsored item that was on there and that's why they bought it for that price. So you just got to be careful because I did pick up a lot of junk in my early days going on just one comp. So I would see like eight or nine and I saw the one that were not sold, but I'd see the one that sold. And I'm like, yes, this is going to sell. <laughs> and that that's the sad case is I think a lot of the stuff I have that hasn't sold in a handful of years is probably because of that. Yeah. You can just adjust the value, drop the price down. Yeah, no, it's staying high. It's not costing me anything anymore now because of free listings. Well, it's, it's costing me space. Okay. No, not just space, opportunity cost. So if you bought it and you thought you can get 100 for it, but in reality, you can only get 50 for it. And you go another five years without selling it. You could have got okay. that 50. I don't know if I'll go another stuff. five years. That's a long, that, that would be a decade. Well, you've already gone half a decade. Maybe. I don't think I have inventory. I maybe have maybe 20 items I've had for more than four years. 
So not that many. I know I make it sound like I just hold on to everything, but I do sell a lot. I sold something the other day that I had for like three years. I still made profit. Nice. So, all right. uh, Next one. The higher the ASP, so average selling price, the higher the profits. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. Again, this is, this kind of goes along with what we were talking about earlier in the sense of it, part of it depends on the cost of goods. Um, I heard back when Best Buy was a thing. Oh, no, no. Best Buy is still a thing. What's, what was the one that was Circuit City? Circuit City. Good guys. Yeah. Maybe it is Best Buy, but oh, you know, is when back when Best Buy was still doing CDs. Like, you know, when they had like CDs, when CDs were a thing. Oh, those things. Yes. So the Best Buy, at least from what I heard back, 15 years ago or whatever made most of their money on CDs because it had the highest profit margin. They got CDs for pennies. They sold them for 15, 20 bucks. Hmm. Now you would think, well, you're going to Best Buy, you're buying a computer. Someone's paying four or $500, $600, $1,000 for a computer. Well, just because all of the computers, the average selling price on a computer might be a thousand dollars. If they're only making 50 to a hundred dollars per computer that sells versus every CD that sells, they're making 12 to 14 dollars mm-hmm. and they're only paying 10 cents for the cd same thing with when you go to the movies right you go to the movies it's not the movie tickets they're making their money on it's the popcorn and it's the soda because a soda costs them 10 cents oh, to make so and they sell it to you for 450 right so just because the average selling price of the sodas is well it's high but you know if you said the, the average selling price of items in my store is four dollars or five dollars it'd be like oh my gosh you must be failing mm-hmm. but if you've got velocity and your profit is extremely high, those profit margins are high, the average selling price doesn't matter. It's a great, that's a great call. Because I have, for, for example, right now, I have a set of pens. I bought like 700 of them. I've I shared this before. And uh, I paid 67 cents for each of them. Now, initially, when I started selling them, I started selling them at $9.99. Then I creeped up the price to $10.99, $11.99. Now I'm selling them for $12.99. Next up is $13.99. But... I can sell five of those in a day and I'll make more money than if I bought something at the thrift safe for 20 bucks and I flipped it for 50. Right. So my average selling price might have been $50 because of that one item. Let's say I had 10 of those items and I sold them for 50 or right. Let's say I sold a hundred of that $15. My average selling price isn't that high, but I'm still making a lot more net profit because I'm basically selling pens that I got for virtually nothing. Right. It reminds me of, uh, you remember the old game roller coaster tycoon or yeah. like a theme park tycoon or whatever. Uh, there was like a, a little trick you can do in that game where you could, it cost you more cause you had to like do all the management and you could pay more to add salt, extra salt to like your food. But if you added extra salt to the food, people would buy more drinks and you could jack the price of drinks up. So you made the price of fries almost nothing, but you made the price of drinks really high. So basically it's the same thing, right? Like, so it's just, you know, if if you can be moving things really fast, it, it's going to be valuable. So don't worry about average sell price. Um, now that being said, again, it's going to depend on 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 your model, your yeah. capital, your cash flow. Yeah. So if your average sell price, so if you want to make a lot of money, if you want to, if if you're looking for a career right now, and you're like, you know, I want to make six figures, like shortly out of getting out of college, pretty much the only way I know that you can do that, other than being really lucky and in some some investments, is being a. Uh, a salesman of high-end items. Like you're selling like Ferraris or boats or RVs or things where people are paying $100,000, dollars $300,000 and you're making a 5%, 10% commission on those. So again, it's one of those things where if your selling model is, hey, I only sell two items a month 
but they cost, you know, like $20,000 an item, you know, and I'm, I'm making $5,000 or $10,000 off of each of them. Yeah. You know, average sale price matters there. But again, you got it. it it's like your net profit. What you're taking away is the velocity or quantity sold versus average sale price and cost of goods. Like you've got to do that. Or you that got formula. the reverse model where you're paying not much for items and you're still pulling in six figures because you're paying $5, $10, maybe 30 at the most for each item, but you're consistently selling items anywhere from, you know, I know people that sell stuff from 60 to hundred to 200 consistently every day, multiple items. Right. So the average sell price, you know, I, I see it all the time. I remember when I was, I was into the, I was into selling new sneakers a lot and I wasn't like a sneaker head. I, it was just more, I go to, I'd go to the Nike store and I, not the Nike store, but the Nike factory outlet and I'd pay 40 bucks and I flip shoes for $80. Right. And so, wow. I'm selling shoes all day long for 80 to 100. Sometimes I would sell, you know, some pairs of Jordans or LeBrons for 150 to 200. And my average sell price looks really good because all my items are, you know, over $100, over $100, over $100, over $100. But I'm paying 50, sometimes maybe $60 on each of these items. So it doesn't matter how much I'm selling it for. It's how much I'm paying for it. And that's where average selling price, you can get stuck and go people because you see it all the time on social media, like, oh, my average selling price keeps going up. Well, it depends why it's going up, right? If, if you're paying the same amount and it keeps going out up, that's great, right? Your cost is the same, but your selling price is going up. That's your net profits increasing. But if you, what you're spending is continuing to grow and your average selling price is still continuing to grow, you're actually not making that money when it comes to the net. So just got to be careful about that. I mean, this last one before we get into our special segment, uh, Amazon charts mean passive income. Okay. And I just, I'll speak on this real quick because Mike doesn't do a lot on Amazon. So we've talked about this so much. Those Amazon charts are, are so, so misleading. I know people personally that sell a million dollars a year and they don't even crack six figures net. Right. So this is, and retail arbitrage just happens a lot. Right. So you might sell you know, a bunch of items that you paid, you know, let's say you paid $10 and you flipped them all for 20 and in the end you made $4 on each of them and you sold a thousand of them. Well, that's great, but that isn't passive income, right? There's work. A lot of people believe that when you sell on Amazon, you're just making this passive income. And the reason it feels that way is because you're sitting at home, especially during Q4, if you're not outsourcing, and every time you refresh, it's like you sold 20, you sold 30, you sold 50, you sold 60. And, and I've had days where I've made, you know, 10 to $20,000 in a day gross, but I had to put in a ton of work. Now, are there certain items that it's not passive, that it is passive? Yeah, I think arguments could be made that maybe private label could be passive, but even with private label, you have it's to delayed passive. So you, yeah. you, you're, you're getting paid for what you did earlier. Correct. Um, and that's kind of the thing too, is like, I'm a big believer, like in a career, like a career field, you get paid today, what you were doing five years ago, right? That your, your salary is a little bit behind what you're doing. So if you're working harder, you're putting in extra work, you're going to get those promotions. You're moving up. Next thing you know, you're going to be getting paid what you deserved five years ago and five years, like it, your pay kind of drags behind a little bit. And I think the same thing is true when it comes to something like private label, you put in maybe six months of work to find that item, the research, You're researching the shipping, your contact, branding, maybe a two or three that fell through. You lost $10,000 on the first one. The second one you broke even on the third one after hours of work, but then maybe this private label thing 
for the next year, the next two years, the next five years, you just got money coming in. But a competitor comes in, you got to deal with a competitor, Amazon buys you out. I mean, you're constantly active. There's very few things that to me are passive, like investing in the stock market can be passive, right? Investing in crypto, if if you're careful, can be passive. Yeah. But again, it's, it's, you're just exchanging. So you did the work in order to get that money that you're investing. You had to put in work eventually. Right now, going back to, to richest man in Babylon or, or even rich dad, poor dad, you know, you're only working, if you're working really hard, you're working 40 to 60 hours a week. Um, your money can work for you nonstop. It can work for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But at some point you had to do some work, some manual mm-hmm. work of some kind, unless you were blessed to have somebody just hand you money. But even then you're just borrowing from work somebody else did. So eventually it was time and energy at one point that you can, if you spend it correctly and you don't just buy the next iPhone, but you put it into the stock market. But even then it's only passive in the sense of you're now getting paid for work that you did earlier. So um, I, I don't like that idea of passive income, um, but I do understand the concept and I think that you can get to a place where you've built a store, you've built a system that kind of runs itself. Let's say you've built a, a reselling business where you've got people now who source for you. You've got people who are listing, people who are taking pictures. You've got the system down where you're kind of just managing almost hands off and it's running and you're you're getting all your bills paid. But you've had to build that. And so, uh, and it's, somebody's working. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't know. I just, I just want to make sure people are aware, like Amazon, FBA or private label, it takes work whether it's on the research end, whether it's on the sourcing end, whether it's on the brand development, it all takes work. Now, it might be light work compared to other things you can do, right? I mean, there's, there's, you just got to find what you enjoy doing. All right, before we move on, uh, I just wanted to mention real quick. And so by now you've probably seen our interesting uh, school shaver ad. Man, that was, that was interesting. Yeah. Well, I had to, I had to get ready for the podcast. So if you haven't caught it, you could actually today go on Instagram and you will see that ad. And so when this podcast is dropped, I'm dropping the ad, uh, but we love our skull shavers because they, they really, they're quick and they're efficient. So the charge is great. I mean, our, we look sharp every time we do the pot. At least I think we do. I, I actually shaved for the first time driving. So we did that. <laughs> so here's the thing. We recorded we recorded a little like kind of advertising promo for for Skull Shaver. And so like it was bizarre. Oh, I'm recording Orlando shaving his head. And I'm like, all right, this is I happening. It was more right bizarre now. for Mike than it was for me. Um so I brought my Skull Shaver thing and I might have to shave here in the studio uh, for our ad. And I didn't end up, but I left it in my car. So this morning I'm trying to get ready. I'm like, oh man, I don't have my Skull Shaver. So as I'm driving to school this morning, driving to work, getting, I'm like in the car using the nice. Skull Shaver and it worked perfectly. I showed up with a clean dome. So there you go. So anyways, uh, if you also want to be able to look clean and dapper to your next social event, meeting, podcast, YouTube video you're making, uh, just go below. Uh, it's SkullShaver.com and our promo code is PURE, P-U-R-E. Again, SkullShaver.com, promo code PURE. All right. All right. I'm excited about these. Uh, wait, before we do that, let's talk about social media real quick. Is it too late? I don't know if it's too late. All right. It didn't go through. All, All right. right. Go for it. All right. Hey, if you haven't yet followed us on social media, we are PURE as a podcast on Instagram TikTok and Facebook. We are Pure Hustle Cast on Clubhouse and Twitter. Do you know Clubhouse numbers went way down? Did they? People were talking. It was like a pandemic app. Mm. So, anyway, it's kind of sad because it was kind of cool the community in there. Uh, not that we've completely bounced out, uh, but you know, you can find us there sometimes. Maybe we need to create our own reseller social media website. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Let us know. What would that look like? How, you mean like a Facebook group or like a Discord? Or no, like? no, no, no. I don't want to use another platform. This is this is specifically a platform for resellers, by resellers, making resellers the just the, the greatest community possible. We do have our own domain name, so it's very possible. <laughs> this is not happening, so don't get your hopes up. Okay, all right. Anyways, but... You could get your hopes up because we uh, are hoping that we can have Pure Hustle Plus in the future. Those of you have been supporting us on buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. That's again, buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. There's a link below. Appreciate all the donations. If you sign up for uh, for a year or for a month, we're just grateful. It definitely helps us be able to create more content. Yeah. What do you think? Um, we haven't talked about this yet, but what do you think maybe in May sometime we do a... Uh like a, a private Zoom with all of our people who support us on Buy Me A Coffee. Well, that is our PRS Plus. Like, we'll just do like a Zoom. People can join in. We could chat. It could just be kind of informal. We, they can ask questions. We can kind of, you know, just like a, a half hour, an hour of uh, all of you who are supporting us on buymeacoffee.com, our Pure Hustle Plus. I think that'd be a good little thing. We can see how that goes. And then we can kind of build on top of that and create some, uh, some extra interaction with those of you who continue to make Pure Hustle Podcast what it is. Uh, because without without your support, you know, we we couldn't do this. So, yeah, I think I'm I'm down for that. I'm down for that. So I I miss we haven't done a YouTube live in a while, right? But this would be different because this would be exclusively for the buymeofcoffee.com slash pure hustle people. So see the link below. All right. Also, uh, you can give us a call 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email, purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. That's purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we are grateful for all the iTunes reviews that are being dropped. We are the most reviewed. We are the largest reselling podcast out there. And we appreciate all of you that tune in on a weekly basis and leave us great reviews. You know, should I read one of them? Do we got time? Let's do it. All right. So, let me bring this up. And if you're wondering, like, why do we always, you know, ask you guys for reviews? Because it helps us in the algorithm. So whenever people are typing in reselling podcasts, how do I sell on eBay? How do I make money? Our pad, uh, our podcast, our podcast pops up. So we're, we're still in club 500, right? 434 reviews. Yeah. So thank you. Let me read these last two. Want to just say thank you to all of you that spend the time to write us nice reviews. All right. So this comes from Olivia space dt and she said i listen to pure podcast every day during work to educate myself every day wow it's impressive on how to become a successful seller i like many fell into the go to college and get a good job scam and i'm trying to get out of it and build myself up in the business world right now i am a 24 year old chemist wow good for you working a full-time job until i can hopefully leave and create my own wealth yes that's a dream PHP is a great podcast for new sellers and for gaining basic knowledge in the reselling world. They also keep up with brand uh, trends, news in real time that content that content is relevant. Ten out of ten would recommend. I'm part of the 500 Club now. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Thank you so much, Olivia. And this comes from uh, Ty C. Du and says, love listening to these guys. They offer great tips and have such a positive vibe. Thanks for, for providing amazing content. I'm learning a lot listening to you that's awesome no thank you guys so much we really appreciate those comments um and you know it, i feel like this has like been been nothing but a a shameless plug you know it's just kind of like asking and whatever but we appreciate you guys who who message in because again this is why we do it um and let's say you've already left a review um and you know buy me a coffee isn't something you're you're able to or, or wanting to do at the moment let just let your friends know right like let your friends know let people know when you're on the internet just mention us we really appreciate it because uh we are an unstoppable force. Not Orlando and me, but but uh, us. 
pure hustle community pure out hustle there page. changing the world. Because you know what I've, I've been kind of thinking of it's like this is bigger than just reselling because I look at what this has done for my family mm. and we have some of our people who like message into us longtime listeners who've like their careers have changed maybe something from a book that we've talked about has changed their life maybe bolos have have made them a ton of money and I'm watching people who not because of me and you but just because like reselling has allowed people to recognize they can have freedom in their life mm -hmm. like they can break out of debt they can get their life in order. And next thing you know, they're breaking out of, cause, cause I think what she said, like the, the, the go to college, get a job, everything's going to be fine. You know, maybe 50 years ago, that was the dream, but now things look a little differently. And so does that still work for some people? It does. But I think more often than not, the corporate world almost just in, becomes indentured servitude for so many of us. We're just working to pay bills. We're working to pay off loans. And I, I heard a quote recently that I thought was pretty good, which was, eight to five pays the bills, uh, six to 10 builds an empire. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that's so good because whether you're reselling or doing something else, some kind of a side hustle, if you do it right in 10 years, 15 years, your life can look so different than it does now and you'll have the freedom. So we really appreciate you guys out there who are helping make Pure Hustle what it is. And I, I see us doing more to try and teach people that like, not just here, buy this, you can buy this and buy my course or whatever, but this is something, this is a lifestyle. This is something that can change you and make you into uh, a successful person who's going to look at your life and people will look at you and you can, you have freedom. And that's, that's, that's what I'm looking for. No, I, that's, <laughs> that was well stated, Mike. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate that. All right. Now we do have some great things to Come share on, from hustlers. our listeners. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah, do you have a, like a fist bump going on over there? No, I always do this. So. Oh, all right. It's a 1990s gangster lean. Like, oh, okay. All right. Uh, you can lean with it and rock with it, man. All right. Good stuff. All right. Why don't you start us off, Mike? All right. Our first song comes from TK. His Twitter handle is at... Uh, you want me to handle this one? El Flaco yeah. 402. El Flaco 402, yep. I got it. Uh, went to the store that shall not be named. Dun, dun, dun. I, I, I need to get that as a... Uh, as a sound effect. Every time we say the store, it should not that be named. That's true. Or something else. What, what's a good sound effect, guys, for the store that should not be named? Oh, <gasps> okay. <laughs> or maybe like the, uh, the, the Freddy, is it Freddy Krueger or is it, what's the, <laughs> not Freddy Krueger, what's the one where like, it's like the, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, like right that, before. I think that's Jason. Jason, I think okay. That's Friday 13th. So uh, anyways, he went to the store that should not be named and he came across seven to eight Jurassic Park dinosaur toys from 1993 to 1994. Picked up a few of them and paid $3.99 for one that sold via GSP in less than 24 hours for $189 plus shipping. Just one of them. Ooh, holy smokes. You know what? I think I need to get rid of my uh, my hustle of the week. Mine's lame compared to that. That's so good. And you know, toys, here's the thing. Toys can be hard because so many of them aren't worth anything. You got to learn it like any other niche. Um, but it's funny because I've bought a lot of just random like old school 90s toys at garage sales and thrift stores that really aren't worth a bunch of money. Um, it can make maybe five, 10, 15 bucks on some of them, but I'm like, Oh, this would be cool for my son. Cause the plastic is like a better plastic than some of the toys. Now it's like nicer and sturdier, like teenage mutant Ninja turtles. Anyways, I went to a comic book store the other day, um, because it was next to a pizza shop that I went to and I walked in with my son and they had all these like vintage toys and cases. And as I'm walking by, like Judas pointing at different ones that he has and they're like, yeah, they're selling for like 10 or 15 bucks. But it's like, yeah, you have that. Mm. And it's it's kind of cool to see like pieces of history that people do want these things. And 
you know, some of them are sell for 10 to 15 bucks and some of them sell for $189 plus shipping. So uh, don't, don't sleep on toys. Yeah, so good it, job, TK. Yeah, and he's a repeat hustle a week. If do you remember that Pepsi hat that sold for like over a hundred bucks a while back? I think so. I mean, I don't know, episode thirty nine. Who knows? But yeah, hey, I love people when they send them to repeat. So thanks, yeah, thanks again, El Flaco four hundred two on Twitter. All right, Tyler IG handle J G Vintage. Wait, I want to make sure. I, did I? I typo stuff all the time. Now, this is also we have a lot of repeat hustle the week. So he actually sold a he found a Carmelo Anthony basketball jersey that was signed a while back and it was one of the hustle of the week and uh yes okay so let me make sure i get his name right it is j g underscore vintage underscore all right so has a lot of awesome vintage gear on his instagram so he heard us talking about i remember one time i shared one of the bolos about disney hawaiian shirts and they are money if you find them especially the ren spooner so somebody correct me after all these years. You know, rain spooner. It's not rain. It's rain spooner. Yeah, you know what? It's from it. It's in Hawaii. I, I I'm totally fine with that because um I've what what was the boot brand that I was saying wrong? Merle. Yeah, Merle. It, <laughs> I'm telling you, it should be Merle. Merle, you messed up. It should be Merle. But all right, going back. To, so I, I hopefully I'm saying rain spooner right. But so Tyler goes into i believe it was the savers i, I should have asked exactly but he shows me he actually showed me video he's like look at all these shirts i found i owe you guys one and so he saw a new rolling rack come out with several ren spooner disney shirts so it was like cars inside out like a bunch of disney movies if you find these you got money so i saw what he, he was picking up for six dollars and 99 cents a piece now Another reseller went through the rack and didn't pick any of the shirts up. Man, that, that person will never know what they missed. So, Kim or they're listening right now. They're a new listener and they're like, I know, they're like, wait a second. I was at this place and they had uh, cars and an inside out. And so, anyway, $6.99 a piece sold all six of the shirts for a total of $820. That's good. <laughs> That's real good. That is, I, I'm telling you, I've only come across two Disney Hawaiian shirts. Actually, think of it. I have one right now that has a hole in it that I meant to get it sewed, and it's been sitting in a pile somewhere for like six months. What are you doing, man? <laughs> I got to get that listed. But anyways, Tyler, nice work. I mean, seriously, like, I love it when people reach out to us and say, hey, because of you guys sharing this bolo, I came across this and really appreciated that. So thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Our next one comes from Kendra, IG handle at Kendra's Flips. Picked up a pair of Ralph Lauren jeans at one of the off store that sells clothing for 14 bucks. Picked them up because they looked cool and different. Didn't realize until she got home that they were a pair of purple label 50th anniversary 2018 runway pants. Went online and found a picture of it being worn on the runway and found out the patches on them were hand sewn. Listed them on eBay for $750 and sold for a $500 best offer. Holy smokes for a pair of jeans. Man, I'm looking for those big E Levi's and you're over here picking up purple. But isn't it such a purple label 50th I've anniversary? I've never picked a purple label. Runway Ralph Lauren's. That's amazing. No. Good job. And the and the research that you did, because that picture, I'm sure you posted it on eBay that definitely helps sell uh, that pair of pants. So great job, Kendra. All right. What is your hustle of the week? 
So mine is definitely not a huge um, profit, but it's kind of cool because early on in my reselling, when I'm selling stuff that I picked up like first six months of reselling, again, it's that validation. Um, I picked up a set of casino chips at, it was probably at the store that should not be named. And I think it was $2.99, right? And the casino chips were not like your traditional, usually they're in like the metal cases, not like the, just the, the plastic ones um, or like the nice, like ones that you'd use if you're playing like poker nights or whatever. But these ones look like a little bit older. They look like they were probably from like the seventies or the eighties, but they look like, they were um, a gift set that you can buy in Vegas from a long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. So it was in a wooden case with like a glass top that slid out and it had a bunch of the chips in there. And I picked this up for $2.99. I ended up selling it for about $45, I think it was after shipping. And it was cool because there weren't any comps on this at the time when I picked it up. But I was like, you know what? Like, this is kind of cool. Um, I don't see any comps for these, so I don't think they're like mass produced, which they probably were mass produced at one point, but they were older. So who knows? Somebody was looking for, maybe they were trying to replace a set that lost. Because like, I just remember like my, when I was a kid, uh, I used to play chess a lot. Um, I used to play a lot. All the games that my dad had I'd, in the closet I'd play, and he had bought this chess set when he was in Mexico that was this beautiful like stone, like Aztecs looking chess set. And I broke a bunch of the pieces when I was like in like first or second grade. And I just, to this day, he talks about like, yeah, that was a cool chess set. And I'm like, if I could find that chess set on eBay, I would buy it for him. So who knows? Maybe somebody lost some chips of their their parents' poker set. You never know. But it's just cool because it validated the fact that I, it was a good buy, even though I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but it it still sold. So $2.99 sat for a while in storage, but uh, ended up making pretty decent pr- profit on it. And now I can go and buy things with more knowledge and I'll make even more money off of that original 299. If you could track like one of your first sales that you sold and things you've bought with it since, like it'd be mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Like how much money those things actually end well, up turning. How into. much you learned from yep. like that one sale. They're like, huh, I should pick this up. And then you get better at it and you understand more and your profits just go up. Mm-hmm. All right. So mine's going to be a little bit, I want, there's a story to all this. So, you know, we had talked, Mike had talked about how much, you know, we've been able to help people in the community with reselling and people's lives have been changed. But, you know, Mike and I have always talked about how the reselling community has made us so much more profitable. Any profit that we can make from our sponsors or from YouTube, uh, it, it, it's crazy how well it, it the podcast has done in helping us be better at our business. And so this comes from a hustle of the week I think it's probably in the first, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes. So somebody had sold a Hawaiian shirt made by uh, Mambo Loud. So I believe Mambo Loud is a kind of Hawaiian shirt that you can like find in Australia. Uh, and they go for, or they're sold in Australia for big money. So I was sourcing and I came across a Mambo Loud shirt. And I never had seen one. And, and I probably... Had I not done the podcast, I probably would have just skipped over it and looked for a Ren Spooner or Kahala Hawaiian shirt or whatever. Totally would have missed it because the shirt was very unassuming. It was a yellow Hawaiian shirt and it had red roses. So it was kind of a little bit of a little gaudy, but it wasn't like, you know, you know, I was like, ah, I probably would have passed it. But I see the shirt. So I find the shirt and I look at some comps and I see comps like 200, 300 dollars for the shirt. And I'm like, all right. I'm picking up this shirt. <laughs> so I picked up the shirt. I went home and I did some research. I could not find good 
like the exact same shirt. So I went on Worth Point. So Worth Point is something that allows you to go back, I believe, like 10 or more years as far as in things that sold. So I type in keywords and you get seven free lookups. And then after that, you have to pay and it's like 30 bucks a month. So some people use it. Some people don't. I've, I've, I go back and forth on it. And so I looked it up and I found that a, the shirt was like a, I think it was made like in 2009 or something, 2011, whatever it was. I'm like, oh, it's not a vintage shirt, but I've seen comps that sell for three to $400. I'm like, all right, I'll list it. So I listed it and then I get a message a week later from somebody that says, hey, by the way, that shirt is not what you think it is. It's actually this design. And so he's like, look it up. And so sure enough, I typed in the words that he gave me. And what came up was it was a shirt from 1997. Hmm. So it went back 14 more years. And I was like, whoa, like, okay, I got something good here. So I listed it and I up my price and I listed it for... Let me see what the total number was that I listed it for after I found out how vintage it was. I had it listed for $599.99. And within 24 hours of me changing it, it sold for $509. What do you, what do you, what do you think the worst thing that could have happened happened? Would you lose it? The person never paid. Yeah, it's a bummer. Right? So then I had to cancel it. Well... Next day, as soon as it went live, boom, sold again. $509.99 plus shipping going global. Nice. So it turned 15. Did I say 20? What did I say? I don't remember. It was $15. I sourced it for $15 and it sold for $509. My first Mambo shirt to ever find in the wild. Listed incorrectly at a cancel sale. <laughs> And still made mad profit on that sale. Was that at a thrift store? Or? I it was a it was a local deal. Okay, nice. So, anyways, you know, lo, lo, I'm telling you, like, if you can source things locally, you you get the best leg up on things, right? Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, people are just trying to offload stuff, and again, not everybody wants to research all their stuff. They just want to sell it, you yeah. know. So yeah. yeah, it was a it was it was a sale to remember. That's good. So, all right. Hey, let's get back to our uh, reselling money myths. All right. So this next one. Okay. Warehouse equals next level. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I think it can. I think it certainly can in the sense of you're not going to, you could probably get to, to be a low six figure seller just selling out of your garage. And depending on what you're selling, maybe even high six figure. But if you want to like, be empire status. You want to have a company. You want to have many, many employees. You're, you're probably going to have to to go to a a warehouse at some point. However, a lot of times, and I've noticed so many people that I know do this with things. They put the cart before the horse. A lot of times, people think successful people have X. Therefore, if I have X, I'll be successful. And it usually doesn't work that way. So for instance, when we were first building out the podcast, you know, it's like, okay, well, what do we need? Well, we need some, some equipment. We need some lights. We need a camera. And we figured out what was in our budget. And we had to make it work. Now we can look and we could say, now the most successful podcasting platforms have like l studios with like people running producers. They've got all kinds of stuff happening. Teleprompters. They've got different background changes. They've got all these employees and we could have said, okay, so let's go ahead and get a studio with a producer and all this stuff. 
and, and we not, might not have been ready for that, mm -hmm. right? We might have flopped. And the same thing goes with reselling. You can jump into a warehouse and end up losing all of your profits paying rent and all of your profits in overhead. Whereas if you could have just stayed smaller, your profits could have been higher. So you have to figure it out. You might be able to scale a little bit. And there's always that weird like in between. It's a little bit better now on eBay, but eBay, you were stuck there for a while where there's that in between on, should I go up to a bigger store or not? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, oh, I'm paying a lot in fees, but it's not quite enough to get into their store. But if I got a bigger store and so you got to kind of figure out like, okay, I'm at a place where I need to get go bigger and I'm actually going to not be making any more money, even though I've scaled 30, 40% for a while, because I need to be able to scale hundred percent, but then my money's going to go way up. Um, so there's, there is going to be that weird spot. So yes, if you are the top tier 1% reseller, you're definitely running a warehouse with lots of employees. However, if you get a warehouse with lots of employees does not mean you're going to be a 1% reseller. Yeah, exactly. You just gotta be careful. I, I know both sides, right? Like I'll give you an example, you know, good friends of the podcast, Latin pickers, like they had one warehouse. Now they have three warehouses, but they are killing it. Like their business is scaling. And if you ever, you should catch their interview. I mean, it's, it's probably been a year and a half, maybe two years since we interviewed them, but you hear the story that like they actually had their whole apartment taken up with book racks. Yeah. Or even a, like a, basically a moving truck that they were Correct. using and they were sorting and selling out of this moving truck in their, in their, in the parking lot of their like apartment complex. No, seriously. Yeah. Like ch check them out. I mean, follow them on Instagram, Latin pickers, but check out the interview. Their story will tell you like, when is the right time to move into a warehouse? Because I also know the other side. I know of people that they scaled way too fast. They, before the profits were coming in, they were thinking it's kind of like a fish tank. Like if I get a big enough tank, my fish is going to grow the size of the tank. And they went and they spent all this money on a warehouse and they're stuck in a lease and they have way too much overhead and they're making less money than they were when they were just operating out of their house. And so you got to be really careful about that. I mean, I'm even careful my storage unit. Uh, the, I had mentioned this a few weeks ago, my storage unit, I thought I was to capacity, but I spent four hours. I reorganized stuff and I have room probably for another 500 items in there. And so take a look, figure out when the time is now. It may mean next level when you get to a warehouse or you get a second storage unit or whatever it is, you just got to be careful because it doesn't actually guarantee growth. All right, the next one, the more items in your store, the more successful. Yeah, you can have a bunch of junk, man. And you can have you can have a store where you about my store. You can have a store where you got 10 items and and they're like, you know, items that are going to get you thousands of dollars profit. So, it's it's a quantity game to an extent. Um when you're buying items, um you know, if you're selling books, you got to have a lot of books. You know, I just heard you listening to, to, I think it was a TikTok or something where they were talking about the numbers on that, right? If you're selling certain things. So when you, once we talked in the beginning, if you're an early listener, like you remember when, when Mike was really trying to get to 500 items, you remember when Mike was trying to get to hundred, 200 items, right? And now that I'm at over 500 items, yeah, I'm getting daily sales. So to an extent, it's a numbers game. However, when I had 30 items in my store, I was still making sales. And depending on the types of items you had, I could have spent, if I, if I was buying the way I was buying when I first started, I could have 500 items in my store and I'd be making weekly sales of like, well, I made 10 or 15 bucks today. Think about, think about if we didn't do the podcast, think about if we weren't friends and you just started, I'm not saying anything about me. I'm just saying you obviously source far better because of us doing the podcast 
than if we never did the podcast, right? I mean, you joke about it, but I probably have a lot of junk items, right? Because I was watching some YouTube and so on, but I was buying a lot of trash. Mm. And it was more like, oh, I like this. I think this will sell. And like, no, no one wants, no one wants your Will Ferrell cowbell shirt. Like that, I always remember that because I. What? That would totally sell. I know, but I remember picking up like five of them and I thought they were so cool. I sold maybe, I, I made maybe like four bucks on each of them. You, and I, it took say, like I long bet you time. still had them. They probably sell for more right now. Probably now, but that was like six, seven years ago or something like that. So cowbell shirts to the moon to the moon so but you're right like and and that's the danger you got to fall in is like you know you hear list 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 which is true i think the biggest uh i don't know what do you call that the, the, the thing that helps you most make money on ebay is listing consistently but it can also be a trap so you've got to make sure you've got the sell through rate so like for instance i'm at a place where i could probably handle a store up to 750 items maybe a little bit more I don't think I want to, though, be much more above that. I don't think I want to get to 3,000 like Orlando's at. Um, unless I, I'm scaling, the business is going so well. But my, I'm making more than enough money right now at 500 items. And I've got a decent enough sell-through rate. Now, the trap you can get into is list, 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 source, 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 list, list, list. And your store keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then there's no exit plan, right? Like if you're not sourcing stuff that's actually selling, if everything you're yeah. sourcing not is true. a three or four year potential long tail item, you're going to get to a place where you're just swamped with stuff and you're like, yay, I made $500 this month. And it's like, yeah. And, and you've got thousands of items. Like, okay, So I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that brings clarity to what I do. Right. In the sense that when I joke around about that, I have had stuff for four years, five years, I think maybe six years sometimes a long time. I'm not, I'm not bragging about it. Like in a sense, like, look, uh, I knew this was going to sell in six years. Like, no, I don't buy stuff anymore hoping that this will sell in five years. I buy stuff hoping that it'll sell within the month. Yeah. Right. And so the reason I still have those items is because I'm stubborn and I still think there's profit and because I sourced poorly in the beginning. And that's why I have most of my items I have now. I will either when I source, I like to turn a profit within a couple of days and everything else is just icing on the cake after that. And you're moving, you're moving faster nickel, man. I am moving faster nickel than usual, but not not faster nickel in the sense that like my profit margins have dipped, but in the sense that I have more inventory. So here's a question. Yeah. If if you could sell everything in your store right now, at every the, item, all 3000 at 70% of your asking price and you'd have all that capital and you can kind of start over versus you can hold all these items, get a hundred percent over the next five years. Oh no, I would. I would sell my business right now. And I started over, of course, because again, I have a lot of items I shouldn't have sourced. Which go, I mean, all I'm trying to do is prove that point that the the total number isn't what's most important. Oh, I agree. I agree. I'm saying three thousand because what I've noticed is, as as I'm growing the store, it's requiring me to do less work. Mm. Like I can get away with not feeling the grind. And again, everybody has their own way of doing things. There's people that like listing two to three hundred items a day, and that's great. I know for myself, like I, my, what I've done is I've brought my cost of living so low, like I only need so much to live and everything else is just nice. And then on top of that, the money I make extra from that, I've invested in different places. I've invested in the stock market. I've invested in crypto. I've invested into other businesses, whatever it is. And so 
that's why, like, I'm not, to me, reselling is a vehicle to whatever my next destination is going to be. And I don't know what that's going to be. I, I know, <laughs> not, not saying that I have no direction, but I, I, I want to do a lot more. And maybe in a future podcast, we'll share Rolando's dreams, but not right now. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of which, this is totally off, a little bit off what we're talking about. Okay. But it kind of reminded me, I, it, a couple of months ago, I started talking about a business I was starting since we're talking about investing in other businesses. Okay, okay, okay. And I haven't brought it up recently. I don't want people to think like that just went away. I'm still taking great steps forward. And uh, I think I'm, I'm getting close to being at a place where, uh, you know, again, it's it's more businesses. It's more things. And I, I've noticed my life changing in that sense of, of uh, like you said, reselling is great. It's a great hustle. I talked about earlier. I went on a on a whole soapbox about how it's it's life changing. It is life changing. But but using that money wisely and having the wisdom to use money in a way where it's going to keep making you more money is is even more life changing. And so, um, yeah, just focusing on I just want to get more numbers as opposed to I want to find the way to make the most use of my money. So maybe it's I want to run a store that's five hundred items or a thousand items, and I want to use that money to to basically fund these other projects I have going on that are going to make me even more money. Right? But it takes time to get there. You know, like I remember the first two years of the podcast, I was very much reselling focused. Like I, I had blinders on and things didn't change for me until the pandemic. And when the pandemic hit and like, you know, I had capital and like you pretty much could throw money into any stock pretty much back a year ago and you would win. Right. I'm thinking I'm looking at Southwest Airlines right now. Right. They're like, at, I think it's like 50 to 60 dollars a share. Man, I was buying when it was like 14 bucks. Right. And I rode that for a few months, took that money, you know, invested somewhere else and then invested somewhere else. I mean, that, and so it's, it's one of those things that reselling definitely, though, gives you that comfort level to try more things because you have more capital available to you. Right. So anyways. All right. Um. Man, we have been all over the place on this podcast. Keep it organic. All right. Uh, the more money you spend, the more money you make. I think we kind of covered this already, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, you you got to be careful because sometimes people are like, you know, you 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 see this on social media. People go into a store, especially retail arbitrage. They'll drop five thousand dollars, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna make twenty k." That may not happen. They may only make a thousand dollars net. So. You got to be careful. You got to be very strategic on what you source. You got to understand that if you sell on eBay, right, things take longer. Your money may tied up, may be tied up longer than you expected. If you sell on Amazon, there's a lot more competition. Price can immediately drop. Amazon can take over the listing. So just because you spend more money, there's no guarantee that you're going to make more money. You just got to be wise on what you spend. Yeah, and the same goes even for like items you're buying. You can think, hey... I went to a thrift store today and I spent a hundred dollars and I'm going to make, you know, 500 or a thousand dollars off this money. So the next thrift store I go into, I'm going to spend another hundred dollars. Well, if the items aren't there, don't spend the money. And you can get caught in this trap of, I spent money and I made money. I need to spend more money. Right. And, and when you're doing garage sale type stores like ours, where it's just a, a hodgepodge of all kinds of things, it's not, it's not always a guarantee, right? Like you can, you can go a week without being able to source a single item. And the next week you source so much, it covers you for the next month. And so you can't get caught into the every week I need, I need to spend X amount of money. And if I spend this amount, I'm going to be pulling in this. It's not a direct, it's not a linear growth and correlation, right? 
Sometimes you spend a little bit of money and it makes you a lot. Sometimes you spend a lot of money and it makes you a little bit. And so it's 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 an up and down cycle. And you just have to prepare for that. And it, it, the hard part is we can become manic depressive in the sense of you get these bolos where you're paying $6.99 for something and you're getting $820. And you think, well, every time I spend $6.99, I'm going to get that. And you go spend all your money and then you're you're upset because you're not making that kind of money. Or you can get into the depressive states of, you know, I just I haven't found anything for a week. So you got to be balanced of you need to spend your money wisely and not just be worried about spending how much money. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Now we're going to talk our last year, like dealing with taxes, which we never talk about. There's no legal advice here. Disclaimer. Yeah. But I, I think let's, let's just do all the disclaimers. <laughs> okay. I'm not your dad. I'm not a doctor. Don't eat paint. Right. <laughs> Don't cut the tag off of your 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 mattress. It's against the law, right? Like, here's all the warnings. Like, make good choices. When we talk about taxes, we're not tax experts. So if you go and do something based off of what Pierre Russell Podcast said on taxes, as opposed to just trying to take the wisdom we have, you know, don't eat the paint either, okay? That's all I'm saying. All right. So I see this a lot. And as, and we talked about this in our uh, one of our recently topics, how because of uh, whatever that massive expensive relief bill gargantuan we have money machines printing money all day long bill that was passed uh now the the you have to report any income what was it above was it above 600 i think 600 or 400 okay. something like that all right so you know we hear this all the time like and this is a myth where it's like it's not worth it to resell if i have to report my taxes and to me, that is furthest from the truth in so many ways. You know, I, I look at it, you know, I, there was a time where I was broke, broke. And I remember I used to get breaks on everything. I would get breaks on my electricity bill. I remember I would get uh, health insurance uh, for my kids through the state. I remember when, you know, I would get all these programs. And then I remember when my income level rose to a certain level, I lost all of it. And I remember at that time, you know, going, Wow we're going to be paying a lot more for stuff, but you can't have that mindset that like, Oh, you know what? I shouldn't make that much money anymore because this is going to hurt me in the long run. No, if you're making more money and you don't have all those breaks cut to you, that's a good thing. Like that's a, that's a benefit. That's a positive, like you're moving up. And so don't let the, the fear of the IRS scare you from making more money. Yeah, no, it's good. What you're doing is you're locking yourself in and people do this all the time. And the hard part is there, there, there are levels where it's like moving up. Hey, I'm, I remember when I worked at the call center, I saw this happen all the time. And this is, this is no shade to anybody who's in any circumstances, but I would see people who would come in to apply for the job and they, we tell them how much they'd make and they'd say like, Oh, actually I'm on unemployment right now. And if I take this job, I'm going to be making less. Or we'd have people who it's like, Hey, we want to give you this raise. And then they'd come back and say like, actually like, is there a way I can't like you not give me the raise? Cause if you give me this raise, then it's, it's going to make it so I don't get this, you know, whatever program, this government program coming in. So I'm actually gonna end up making less. So people, but what, when you have that mindset, what you're doing is you're locking yourself into what I have right now is the best I'm ever going to have, as opposed to there might be again, that weird, awkward state where it feels like you're getting punished. But if you are willing to go through that and break that plateau, there's no end in, in sight. You can, you can keep going forward. There was like a, I don't remember the exact numbers, but the, the concept is, is here. Warren Buffett was speaking. I think it was Warren Buffett talking to a bunch of college students 
and he was giving a, a story and I don't know if it's something somebody told to him or he, he was saying to the students, but basically the story goes, I can give you $100,000 right now, but you have to pay me 10% of whatever you make for the rest of your life. Or I don't give you anything, right? And he, that gives a study that was done of like how many people would do that. And the point he was trying to make is, if you do that, if you're willing to take that deal, you are telling me that you will never make more than a million dollars in your life. You don't believe in yourself. Because if you take that $100,000 at a certain point, as you're making money, you're going to end up paying way more than $100,000 to me as you continue to grow. You become a CEO. You become successful. You start making money. You've got investments. Well, now I'm taking more and more and more and more of that. And that $100,000 all of a sudden is so great. And I kind of look at that with the idea of the not wanting to pay taxes. You can get to a place of, uh, I'm happy where I'm at and, and I don't want to have to work and have to pay 25, 30% of that into taxes. But what you're saying is, I don't think I could ever break past the point where it's still going to hurt, but I'm making so much more even paying those taxes than I was making before I had to pay those taxes. So don't limit yourself. The moment you limit yourself and you say, I don't want to get this raise because if I get this raise, I'm going to be making $100 less a month. Or if I, if I have to start paying taxes, I'm going to be making $200 less a month. Well, you're limiting and saying, I can never break past that and get to a place where I'm making an extra $5,000 a month, right? Don't limit yourself because the moment you limit yourself like that, that's it. You're done. You're locked. Mm -hmm. Like you can never move beyond that. But when you suck it up and say, man, this sucks. I'm actually making less now because of the taxes I'm having to pay or maybe taxes increase. I'm making less now than I was making before I was reporting taxes or whatever it is. But now I have to work a little harder. And in a year, two years, I'm going to be making twice as much as I was making before. Right. So don't limit yourself. It's a mindset thing. And, and it sucks. Like I'm telling you, like I, I literally feel like an indentured servant. I, I did the math of how many months a year of my salary goes to nothing but student loans and taxes. And it's like, it's several months a year of my life. I'm oh. doing nothing but paying student loans and taxes. So like of my year, only like nine months of it is my money. The rest of it is the government that, that, that stinks. But if I limit myself, and not say, you know what? Fine, I'll pay that, but I'm going to break past that and I'm going to be making way more in the future. Agreed, agreed. And it's it's just a mindset change right now. The thing that I'm going to discuss for our, our final point here is the inverse of that. So I see this a lot. and I'm, It's a weird flex. It is a weird, weird flex. Not trying to throw shade at anyone. I promise you we're not. But if you're doing this, it's a weird flex. Okay, it's a weird flex. So... Paying a lot of taxes means a profitable year. And, or I have to pay so many taxes because I made so much money. And it's like, okay, two things are true here. One is you like surrendering your money <laughs> to a government that probably isn't spending that money in the best way. Two, you to fire your accountant and your tax person. Not saying, I, you know, paying taxes is wrong. I, I got a good amount of taxes I'm paying, but I don't have a, a ridiculous amount. They're like, oh, no, like, how am I going to make this happen? Here's the deal. Like, you you look at a lot of, I, 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 I want to go on and on about this because I, I see people saying, well, here's my $10,000. Here's my flex. And it's like, 
Are you sure you deducted everything? Did you look at cost of goods? Did you look at, you know, making sure that, you know, your office space is accounted for? Did you check your mileage? Did you check to make sure that your meals and entertainment were covered? Did you make sure that any new equipment, any new expenses were deducted? Did you check everything out? Because guess what? You're being foolish if if you're going like, hey, I paid so much money and you're not paying attention carefully to every single dollar. Am, am I being too much about this? No, I mean, that's absolutely correct. I mean, here's the thing. You could now you can complain and I get like it doesn't seem fair when you look at big companies, people, the billionaires who pay less in taxes than the middle class. And honestly, the middle class ends up kind of getting stuck in a lot of ways, like not being able. It's not that they can't get deductions. They usually it's, it's a it's a knowledge thing. They don't have the knowledge of what they can spend the money on. But if you spend a little bit of time, you spend four hours, you spend eight hours, amount of time you probably spend in a week watching Netflix and you learn, okay, like I'm going to be stuck paying $10,000 in taxes this tax season or $20,000 in taxes this tax season. And you do a little bit of research. You can probably find ways that you can invest in your business. You can grow some stuff. You can get some new inventory. You can do things to deduct enough where you turn that $20,000, $10,000, whatever it is down to $2,000. And all of that money went to your business. So, it, and, and most of it, again, it's a knowledge thing. What kind of accounts do you put your money into? Well, you know, if I'm stuck, you know, can I put some of this money into a certain type of IRA that's going to be, you know, tax-free? Can I put my money in this? Can I put, can I save in this? Can I invest this? What about gifts? I have a certain amount of gifts I can give tax-free or receive tax-free. And it's a knowledge thing. And it's true. The more money you have, usually it's not that even the, the wealthiest people have the knowledge, but they have the access to people who can tell them what they can do. But we're all about knowledge and hustling. And so just like eBay, imagine if eBay was like, you can pay an extra, it's 40% more per store. But if you do these three things, if you have, um, you know, free returns and you do this thing and you do this thing and you are willing to keep your store at above 500 items, it's going to be 40% less, right? You'd be a fool not to take it. You'd be like, all right, I'm going to do those things and I'm going to end up making way more money. So use the system that's in place, find ways that you can make your business make you the most amount of money and, and and give the least amount away. And at the end, here's the thing. People say, well, you know, that's not fair. Don't you want to help people? Part of that could be charity, right? You can say, you know what? I can find a way to give enough money to a charity that I enjoy and I believe in. And I want to help, you know, uh, St. Jude's or I want to help this, this organization as opposed to, you know what? I think that my money is in taxes is probably not going and being spent as wisely as it could be. Um, so I'm going to work my taxes out where I end up paying my $20,000 this year. But instead of $20,000 in taxes, uh, 15000 of that went to a charity and it deduced me. So now I'm only paying 5000 Same net amount or, of or money. you bought a out. vehicle. You bought a car, right? right? You bought, you you looked at the weight limit that your vehicle must be, what kind of vehicle you need to buy, and you drop twenty k on something, right? And so it offsets, right, you, what you have to pay, right? And I, I'll tell you, some of the best six-figure resellers I know I don't know a lot of seven seven figure resellers, but six figure resellers I know their taxable income isn't six figures, right? Because they've been able to deduct and chip away and chip away and chip away and chip away and reinvest in business, reinvest in their business, right? So and there's always a thing you can always give more money when you do your taxes. You can you can give more away. That's a thing you can do that. And so if you really want to give more money, you can you can get all the deductions. And if you're like you know what, I still want to give more money, you can give more money. We get the deductions and then know that you're giving it out of your heart instead of, you know, just being forced. Yeah. So, hey, it's not a flex to pay a lot of taxes. I want to reiterate that it is not a flex. 
you got to take a look at why you're paying so much. And maybe, maybe you are, maybe you're doing so well and you can't find any deductions. I mean, reselling is different than a lot of businesses because there's this big chunk called cost of goods, right? When you buy your inventory, right? That goes into your costs. Okay. It's not like other businesses that, you know, don't rely on that. So we just be aware of that. And those hopefully uh, are the reselling myths that maybe we've been able to debunk or bring clarity to and bring some closure. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling. Peace. Peace.